Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Hello there, and welcome to It's an S-Pod Thing the podcast revisiting every episode of S Club 7's insane TV show. I'm Sophie Davis, and joining me on this journey from Miami to Spain will be a range of guests who may or may not have seen the show before. Either way, we're going to analyse it in more detail than anyone ever asked for. If you're an S Club fan like me and remember watching the show, hopefully this podcast will bring it all back to you. So my guest on the podcast today is comedian Joe Sutherland. Hello. Hello. So to start with, I just wanted to ask, what is your history with S Club 7? And have you ever seen this TV show before? Uh, um, yes, I feel, well, I couldn't remember anything about the show, but I definitely watched it. But at the time, I think as a kid, you don't realize that it's essentially an experimental piece of filmmaking <laughs> worthy of a sort of Almodovar or David Lynch or something. But yeah, I definitely, it was definitely an after school daily fix. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You watch it when you're younger and you're, you just accept, okay, this is normal. And then you watch it as an adult and you're like, this is very odd. This is a weird show. <laughs> this universe has no consistent rules of physics or conversation. <laughs> And so weird as well, the fact that they're just playing these versions of themselves, which are, well, I guess we'll get into talking about John probably in this episode. Uh But So we're talking about Miami 7, episode 7. It's called Volleyball and it aired on CBBC on the 20th of May, 1999. This is the first episode so far with something before the opening titles. Basically, everyone's on the beach and John is walking around sort of vlogging really he's sort of talking to a video camera and he's feeling a bit down because all of the band apart from him are sort of flirting with people aren't they oh poor john yeah i mean knowing what we know now about john this was particularly poignant (laughs) (laughs) like i don't know i don't know if he was uh, i don't know if he was one of those uh sort of uh victims of pop star grooming and was like held locked in the closet or whether he just like hadn't kind of come to realize much about himself at that point in his life but it was very sad to watch that now knowing that he's uh, uh, a, a queer man a queer man and uh and to see him sort of pining and uh yeah think, thinking that he had to to conform to his bandmates heteronormative lifestyles yeah it seems like a weird sort of implied thing where I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm assuming they either they didn't know or they just didn't want to include this in the show. But just <laughs> the fact the fact that the others are all sort of getting off with people and he's just sort of alone. It seems quite sort of like they're implying something, but obviously 
I don't think they were. It's just yeah, that it one felt now. dark. It was layered. I I felt that <laughs> it was layered. Yeah. So after the opening titles, John is sunbathing with Rachel, Tina, and Joe, and there's a woman sitting opposite who John is sort of checking out. And he's impressed that she's reading a book, but the girls are being very sort of catty about it. Like, oh, well, she could just be pretending to read a book to look clever and mysterious. <laughs> very, very judgmental towards this poor woman. Yeah, to be fair to them, books are hard, though. So, <laughs> like, who would really actively choose to do that, especially in public? Maybe she is pretending, yeah. And... uh Hannah, Paul and Bradley sort of emerge from the sea and Paul is like, oh, can't we do something active today? And he wants to play volleyball. And Rachel's like, oh, what's that? Because throughout this whole series, Rachel is just sort of averse to doing anything that might like mess up her hair or something. Um, Yeah, fair play. It was good hair. (laughs) Yeah, they try to kind of start a game, don't they? But it turns out none of them actually know how to play volleyball, including Paul, who's the one who suggested it. And Rachel's like, oh, oh, well, much sadness, let's sunbathe. Yeah, what a poet. Like, her sort of (laughs) turns of phrase is so Shakespearean. I really hadn't, like, I really hadn't remembered that, that she came across as, I think she was the cleverest really her character within the show and albeit perhaps in the real world after all she did have the greatest pop success solo career but i i like i i feel like her character in the show is quite is quite like a shark you know how sharks are like really clever in how they conserve their energy like they don't move any <laughs> more than they need to and they can kind of stay Boy, they can shut off half their brain to sleep whilst sort of cruising, whilst barely even moving a muscle. You know, it takes the tiniest of movements to propel them miles across the ocean because they're just so sort of streamlined. I feel like that is very much Rachel's energy in this show. She's like, well, why would I burn any more calories than absolutely vitally necessary to my chosen lifestyle? Yeah, she's kind of staying aloof. But then when it really matters at the end, she does kind of step up and pretty much wins the game for them really in the end spoilers um (laughs) so they start trying to play volleyball they get this massive beach ball one of them hits it over the net and it lands at joe's feet and paul says oh i think you're supposed to return it and joe gives him like the dirtiest look i've ever seen (laughs) like she is furious she's not having any of this nonsense i know there was something about it was like that look really like echoed through the chambers of time and i was taken straight (laughs) i was taken forwards a few years to uh to her celebrity big brother um you know crescendo shall we say or uh nadir is that the lowest moment but uh yeah yeah, it it was that exact same strain of energy that we saw at her core and it was oh it was not good it wasn't good yeah it was a look into the future (laughs) so she does whack it back over the net but it goes really far it lands near this group of men and hannah is like oh i'll go get it and they're all kind of like oh hannah what's she like she goes over and has this really sort of inane conversation with this guy and there's really romantic music kind of swelling in the background which doesn't really match this sort of boring conversation they're having with each other it's like oh what a romantic moment they're having i know it was the most wonderful like postmodern pastiche really i felt like it was referencing like the great classic nouvelle vague 
cinema of the <laughs> 60s to have these like romantic strings but like contrasting with really sort of uh inane patter between the two and it just you know it was rich in subtext shall we say yeah as you said before this has got layers going on <laughs> there's a weird interaction here john is looking at hannah flirting with this guy and he's kind of like oh how does she do that and joe goes it's a skill like speaking french or juggling and john goes but i can juggle and speak french and joe's like yeah but can you do both at the same time what are you talking what are you talking about <laughs> yeah talking to someone is like juggling and speaking french at the same time oh oh poor john well again it was the darkness in these moments i really because he was looking on at hannah with a sort of jealousy that you could there was a sense that he was i i pining more to be in hannah's position and i don't know maybe maybe i'm projecting here maybe this is based on some sort of personal experience spread thinly over the course of 22 years but um it, yeah i just i i really feel like uh paul dornan the uh, the writer of this episode was uh, <laughs> was hitting on some things here i i i can't i can't escape it but then maybe it's just watching this back knowing knowing what i know and uh being worldly as i am <laughs> Yeah, who would have known like 20 years later this episode would uh, say so much? (laughs) (laughs) It's a great sort of um, time capsule, I suppose. It really, it you know, it solidifies a moment in time and what it meant to be a pop star, just trying to get out there, live your life, shag around. Um, but you, you know, you're under so much pressure and you were being controlled all the time and repackaged in all these ways. And, and now we get to see that and we see just how, uh, how, uh, false and darkly manipulative it all was. Oh God, it's really, yeah, it's really opened a door for me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Hey, no problem. Um, yeah. Nice catch. Thanks. Nice, um, throw. I don't suppose you happen to know anything about volleyball, do you? Well, kind of. I mean, for a start, I don't think you can really play with a beach ball. Oh. Well, we don't really have anything else. Well, you do now. She is amazing. How does she do that? It's a skill, like speaking French or juggling. Yeah, but I can juggle and speak French. Yeah, but can you do both at the same time? Well, there you are, then. Yeah, apparently. Look, don't get into a state. It'll happen when it happens. Yeah, but when, though? Um, so Hannah brings this guy over with his friends who are going to teach them how to play volleyball and play against them. There's only six of them, and Rachel is pleased about that because it means she gets to sit it out. Bradley's quite confident. He says, uh, we're going to whip your butts right after you explain the rules. Bradley doesn't get much to do in this episode, but he's quite confident about their abilities here. Based on my memory, though, did Bradley really get many of his own episodes, or was he not always the just sort of uh, the upbeat sidekick to the gang yeah he kind of comes in and says something a bit cheeky every now and again their personalities sort of vary from episode to episode to be (laughs) honest like occasionally there'll be an episode where bradley says about 10 incredibly stupid things and then in this episode he doesn't seem that stupid at all so i think it depends on who wrote the episode but they obviously get thrashed by this other team because they're a group of quite sort of big muscular men. And it turns out 
that they work at another hotel because in this world, S Club 7 are working at a hotel run by this guy called Howard. Turns out these other guys work at a sort of rival hotel, which is run by Howard's cousin, Hank. God, just imagine like the whole, there could be some whole other universe whereby those buff American guys are filming their own sort of children's TV pop road show. <laughs> And and we just we poor Brits were just never even let in on that. There's a whole there's yeah there's so much potential there. <laughs> Spin-off series. Yeah, the other it hotel. could be the angel to uh, Miami Seven's Buffy. <laughs> I would watch. No, I would say I would watch that. I probably <laughs> wouldn't. <laughs> they seem pretty bland as characters. But um, <laughs> the main the main guy is still acting now. I looked him up on IMDb. He seems to have stuff going on so oh yeah what's he been in uh i can't remember now but this was his first (laughs) this was his first credit oh bless him small roles in things uh i think bad boys 2 uh too fast too furious i only remember those because i thought it was weird they were both sequels (laughs) and there was another show with miami in the title that wasn't miami 7 i don't know why (laughs) so hannah talks to that guy again and there's a point in the conversation where he sort of puts his hand on her back and he goes, well, hey, and then the romantic music starts again. <laughs> and he's like, maybe we should do this again sometime. And then Paul sort of pops up and is like, what about Sunday? And it's kind of, I like to think they were kind of seeding the fact that Paul and Hannah get together later on, but I don't think there was that much thought put into it, to be honest, the way he's kind of interrupting them. Oh God, I'd never even thought of that possibility. Very clever. I don't think that was what they were doing, to be honest. I don't think they were pl- planning ahead that far. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's like Lost. They were just making it up as they went along. Yeah, definitely. At Miami 7 is just like Lost. You heard it here first. <laughs> so next, there's a scene with Howard and Marvin where Howard is playing golf. These are the guys that run the hotel. Um, he's wearing a t-shirt that says Go Howie and he's wearing a hat that's like something that I would sort of wear at the beach when I was about five, like a little sort of summer hat. This is where we find out he has this rivalry with his cousin. He says he wants to put itching powder in my Batman suit. And he says it was 30 years ago, which sort of implies he was about 30 at the time because he looks Mm -hmm. quite old. Hannah and Paul ask Howard if they can have Sunday off because they've got this volleyball match. It's very casual, but obviously Howard immediately wants to make it competitive because he finds out it's Hank's. Well, it's not even Hank's team. It's just the guys from Hank's hotel. But he sees it as a sort of, oh, my team can beat Hank's team. Yeah, a beautiful exercise in cramming all of the exposition into one scene for the entire episode. <laughs> like yeah. the entire sort of call to action, all the history, all the motivations, just whack it into a three minute span of some crazy, like knockoff Danny DeVito shouting into the <laughs> ether. Is yeah, really, really masterfully done. Yeah. He gets on the phone to Hank and is all sort of like, you're going down, you need to bring your checkbook because you're going to need it. And we can sort of, we can hear Hank on the other end, but it's just a a man just sort of going... Yeah, exactly. I don't. We never meet Hank in this episode, do we? Uh, No. Why? Does he come back in... Does he appear in in other episodes? I think there's a guy later on who I think is a family member. I don't know if this is Hank or if it's a different... Depends on whether they made the spin-off or not, because, uh, you know, if they didn't have the budget to be putting him in this, then they're only going to save that for doing the spin-off show. This is, this is very clever. Yeah. It's weird. We never, we never get to meet this guy in this episode, this rival. We hear him on the phone just going, um, so 
after he puts the phone down, Howard says to Marvin, like, this is a hope, this is a high profile match now. This is war. And he reaches across the desk and puts on a sort of cheap looking military helmet that's there for some reason. <laughs> ne- never, never noticed that before. There's no kind of backstory to this. Yeah. And yeah, mil- military style, let's call it what it is. It's a bike helmet with military fabric picked up from the market for about a pound a meter stapled around it. That was very much a throwaway prop that was never going to come back or kind of have any explanation. It's just brilliant. Yeah, it's, he just reaches for it out of nowhere, just like, this is war. <laughs> of course, of course he had that on his desk, why not? At this point, Bradley is sort of giving, well, trying to give John advice about chatting up girls. And Bradley's like, oh, it just happens. And John's like, yeah, about 20 times a week for you. Like, Bradley's clearly getting a lot done in uh, Miami <laughs> just mm-hmm. yeah, getting with 20 girls a week but Bradley tells him there's no magic formula and then it sort of cuts to John with Paul who's like of course there's a magic formula and John says well what is it and Paul's like um have you tried asking Bradley <laughs> um well I, th- I think I'd lost I stopped paying attention to what they were saying in this scene because <laughs> Fair uh, enough. because Bradley and John were the two of them were both sweeping one walkway uh, which is not cost effective um like staff management um, so it just it just had me going off on a spiral of thought, thinking like I'd totally forgotten what it is that they do at this hotel. I'd <laughs> sort of I, I'd thought they were like in-house entertainers, like redcoats or something down Butlins. But there you have the two of them doing the yeah least effective site management that must be costing this poor guy Hank. Um, it, you know, if presumably he's paying them at least minimum wage, he's paying it twice over because they're all sort of going off and doing these menial tasks in pairs. Um, and I just, yeah, I suddenly got very concerned about the business structure of this hotel. So I totally stopped paying attention to any um, conversation taking place between the characters. Yeah, out of context, it's weird. Yeah, like you said, they are the sort of in-house entertainment, but then they also uh, okay, have to do good. all these chores. Like that's sort of in the evening and then in the daytime they're expected to do work at the hotel but yeah the tasks they get given to do are very just random like you said they're sweeping a floor the two of them not very effectively sometimes a lot of the time they seem to be painting buildings for some reason yeah who knows (laughs) after that everyone's on the beach again and Tina brings out this list of their tasks from Howard for the day and it's (laughs) like volleyball training Tina really giving it all in this episode. (laughs) And Marvin then shows up and tells them they're late for their training. And Bradley goes, but it's breakfast time. Rachel hasn't even had a chance to not eat anything yet. Good joke. Classic comedy. (laughs) 1999. (laughs) But girls, if you want to be like Rachel Stevens, just don't eat (laughs) anything Just don't. What are you doing? Just put it down. We know you're watching this (laughs) at the end of school. You're probably having a piece of toast. Put it down. Oh, God, dreadful. Wonder what lovely little tasks Howard's got in store for us today. Okay, let's see. You know, Howard's got really terrible handwriting. Can Howard write? I didn't think they taught that in eighth school. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, here we are. Tuesday AM, kids' volleyball training. Volleyball training? What? Okay, guys, let's go. Uh, You're late already. Late? Marvin, it's breakfast time. Rachel hasn't even had a chance to not eat anything yet. Oh, sorry. Uh, Howard wants training camp to start at 8.30. Training camp? Yeah. 
how it's set out a full program. Oh, and uh, you're now on a special high-performance sports diet. We are? Yeah. Lots of electrocarbo compounds to help build you up for Sunday's big game. Big game? What big game? You're playing Hank's team from the Sunset Sands Hotel for the Howard Bellotti Trophy. Does it come any bigger than that? Marvin tells them that this game they're playing on Sunday is now a big deal and there's a lot riding on it. And they're also competing for some sort of trophy that Howard wants. Obviously, they're furious, so they go to see Howard and he says, well, I'm only thinking about what's good for you. And Bradley is really angry. He goes, you jumping off a cliff into shark-infested sea, that would be good for us. Like, <laughs> uncharacteristically angry for Bradley, I think. And so deeply malicious. And like, <laughs> fair, like, fair play to the boss, Howard, because that just rolls off his back. Like, he doesn't even... he. Like, he just takes that on the chin, and it's such a hurtful thing to say. Yeah, it's quite, yeah, it is quite vicious. And he just doesn't see, he just has this weird relationship with them where they just threaten <laughs> to beat him, like, all the time. And God, he just very sadomasochistic. Really yeah, there was a bit in a, an earlier episode where Joe was like, oh, we should send the boys around, sort him out. <laughs> she means her brothers. <laughs> yeah. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. So he tells them that Hank is putting up $500 for the winners to donate to charity. So if they pull out of the game, that means they're basically like robbing from charity. So they agree to it. But Rachel says, well, do, do, do I still get to be on the Sun Lounger, though? And they're like, yes, don't worry, Rachel. You won't mess up your hair. <laughs> Silly girl. Silly, vain girl. <laughs> and this is where we get this sort of training montage to You're My Number One. I think Paul is doing some of his best acting here. He's like reading a book called Volleyball for Dummies and making some quite good expressions, I think. But at first he was reading it upside down because comedy. Oh, I never, I didn't notice that. Uh, yeah, it was a funny joke. Funny joke they put in it was, there. It was too subtle. It was too subtle. <laughs> the humour was too subtle. So layered. There's one point where there's a lot of like jumping around in this song and they're sort of, at one point, Paul and Bradley like collide in the air. Rachel's sunbathing there's a few sort of on the edge of pervy shots of her like just sweeping <laughs> her hair back as she's lying on the sun lounger uh they throw her in the sea at one point which is quite fun um also during this montage we see Marvin bringing Howard these bigger and bigger trophies until he's eventually happy with this massive one anything else in that montage that you remember seeing well i think what had confused me about it was that in just before the montage they were in the office with the boss howard and he made some sort of he made some sort of quip and was then was like hey that'll be a good song why don't you write it up and then 
a song starts and it's you're my number one and i have me thinking like did they just write the song like so i i felt like i needed to go back to rewatch what it was that he said that they should turn into a song because i wasn't sure i wasn't sure if that was meant to be the link like did they actually go away and turn that song into you're my number one at the same time as training <laughs> yeah but i i forgot about that because yeah i rewound it as well and yeah, what he says is not anything to do with what the song eventually is. I, c- I can't remember the phrase he says now, but it's not "You're my number one." He says a completely different phrase and said, "I think it's something like if I'm happy, you're happy, or something." Some sort right. of phrase like that. It's just completely not related to God, what the song really is. keeps you on your toes. You know, like what a way to structure a narrative. Say like, hey, here's an idea for a song and then here's a different song. It just rolls <laughs> yeah, on. Exactly. No explanation. It's fine. We're moving on. Like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so we get to the day of the match and there's this crowd of people waiting to watch. Uh, the girl who John was interested in before is there. And they make eye contact with each other. And there's the romantic music from before again, as they're sharing a little moment. I don't know what's happened to her boyfriend from earlier, but he's never mentioned again. Oh, yeah. Oh, the book. Hey, it was all a facade. Yeah, maybe she was pretending to read the book. Uh, yeah, I look I look this woman up as well. She is not acting anymore. <laughs> she works in like marketing or something like that, I think. It's for the best. Let's just admit it. <laughs> oh, bless her. And Hannah's talking to that guy on the other team because they're still being very friendly with each other. He says Hank has promised them $100 each if they win. And Hannah just says like the most, <laughs> the most 1999 thing ever where she goes, well, if you win, the milky bars are on you. <laughs> but also, Hannah, that scene, there's something about it. Hannah delivers every word in almost exactly the same tone with no like inflection, no like emoting. It all just rolls off the tongue. It's a, it's amazing delivery. And, uh, and the, her scene partner just, he, he reacts marvelously. I have to say, you know, after <laughs> that, I don't know if you know this, but acting is reacting. Thank you. Um, and he, he does a masterful job. I can see why he's still working. I can see why they picked him for all those sequels. Cause uh, she just, it's like, if I were to speak to you by just um, like every sentence completely disconnected, but I say it as though it's one. So I'm sort of talking like this and I say, there's a fence outside, but also did you know my granddad once did this? Uh, she just, she just rolls. It's um, insane. I couldn't, I could, I was gritting my teeth and yet just loving it so much and he but he he just kept his cool and he sort of you know raised his eyebrows nodded looked away looked back all the tricks all the classic tricks great great acting he's he's accepting it he's, he's nodding and smiling and he's mm, thinking about mm. the uh he's thinking about the sequels and his future he's mm-hmm. gonna get there so howard has actually bet against the band and marvin isn't happy about that because he's a bit more friendly with the band and he's kind of thinking oh howard's sort of spoiled it by doing oh, that yeah dastardly goings on they start the game and we hear You're My Number One again, pretty much in its entirety. <laughs> Obviously, the other team are winning. And at this point, John actually twists his ankle and they go and sit him down conveniently next to the girl that he fancies. And I think it's worth pointing out as well, she looks about 10 years older than him because he's 16 at this point And she looks <gasps> kind of... Is he really only 16? Yeah, yeah, oh, he's the youngest. Him. Yeah, sweet. <laughs> 
but yeah she looks about 30 so it's a bit weird but then i guess the guy with hannah looks quite a lot older than her as well ah this show's weird (laughs) (laughs) so she she starts chatting to him she calls him hoppy i guess because he's injured himself so he's sort of hopping along and there's a weird little bit where john just talks to himself and goes wow one minute in and she's already calling me names cheers joe and it's like I'm pretty sure she just heard you doing that. Next yeah, no to you. one around him reacted. It was so like it. Re- it was so fourth wall break. You know, it really foreshadowed like chewing gum or flea bag. In the, it was he was be- he was practically looking down the the barrel of the camera, and it was just it was an inner monologue externalized, just thrown in there. It never happens at any other point in the show, nor does he bring back his like video diary cam from the beginning. There are just so many elements thrown in that are never picked back up again. It's it's absolutely, I'm, so, I'm astounded and so impressed that they had the balls to just go ahead and create this like collage of a show with no consistency. It's amazing. You're going to be all right there, mate. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I can s- struggle through. Okay. Hi, you okay? Yeah, yeah, I, I'm fine. It's, it's just a twist. Just a twist? Is that like British Prime in Total Agony? No, it's... Oh! <laughs> yeah, it is actually... It hurts like hell. Well, that was a pretty spectacular dive. Really? Thanks. Oh, I said spectacular, Hoppy. I didn't say cool. Here, you want some water? Hoppy? Wow. One minute in and she's already calling me names. Cheers, Joe. Yeah, Miami 7 walked so Fleabag could run. It's the precursor, <laughs> clearly. Um, because John has injured himself, that means they now have to sub Rachel in. Mm-hmm, never saw it coming. Oh, God, what a curveball. But before she goes in, Marvin tells her about what Howard has done. So she obviously then goes and tells the team and they're really angry. And yeah, speaking of just weird things that happen out of nowhere, they have this little team huddle. And this is something that sort of has come up before, but about like five episodes ago, they put their hands together and then there was a sort of lightning flash going through (laughs) their hands. But yeah, it was about five episodes ago. So I think most kids watching at the time will have completely forgotten about it, but it happens again here. And it's even a sort of weird meta moment because they put their hands in, nothing happens. And Paul is like, oh, where's the lightning flash? And then it happens, and he goes, thank you. Yeah. It, uh, wow. It was it's so, again, I, I, if, they, if they have this power to sort of generate this electricity, maybe put that into the game? Like, <laughs> if, if, you're, if you're lacking in skill, maybe the occult that you seem to have mastered <laughs> could come in handy. But no, just, just throw it away. I can't believe it. It's mean. It's underhand. It's Howard. He set this whole thing up just to make fools of us. Yeah, and he's succeeding. Oh, no, he's not. We're going to get out there and we're going to win this. Yeah. yeah. With the S Club 7, right? Yeah. yeah. We can do anything we want to do. Yeah. yeah. Okay, we play as a team. We live for each other. We die for each other. Yeah. yeah. United we stand and divided we fall. Hey, what happened to the lightning flash? United we stand, divided we fall. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'd like to see them use these powers more often that they have like once every five episodes or something. <laughs> uh, who knows? Who knows what they could achieve? Yeah, it was sort of reminded me of Charmed in that way. You know how there would yeah. be like there'd be just so much like chatting and drivel, and then like five minutes towards the end, someone would be like, "Well, I guess we could do a spell." It's like, "Oh, really? <laughs> do you think? Because maybe we're witches." <laughs> Yeah, definitely. It's got that. It's got that feel to it. Yeah. Um, so, because Paul gives them a bit of a pep talk, and he's like, "We're the S Club Seven. We can do anything. We live for each other. We die for each other." <laughs> getting, a bit, getting a bit sort of intense, but it works because they then suddenly start doing really well in the game. I'm not sure if this is supposed to be related to the whole lightning hands thing like they've suddenly given themselves a like a, an energy boost mm, yeah who knows? who knows i'm not sure but um they start doing really well the points start going up they eventually end up on equal points with the other team so there's a, a bit of tension uh, and howard at this point just snaps and starts openly cheering for the other team doesn't he yeah it's uh, what a fickle man yeah, and Rachel is quite into it now. She is like, it was a game before, now it's personal. Like, when it really matters, she's stepped up. But again, she's a shark. It's it's It matters because it's personal, and it's personal because she's now involved. If she ain't involved, she doesn't care. I can fully respect it. Don't waste your energy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, John is still on the sidelines with this woman. He asks her out for a movie and a bite to eat, and she says... Um, Sure, Hoppy, I choose the movie, you choose the bite. <laughs> yeah, again, thrown away. Like, they, I, I want to know what movie it was. I want to know what they ate. But it was just, it was it was put out there, you know, it, te- it, te- it teased us in and then we were just left hanging. And is that a normal way to do things where one of you is completely responsible for the film and the other one is completely responsible for the food. Like you, they could choose anything. True. Although, uh, I don't know. Is it sort of, um, is it, uh, when was this? 1999. Is this like a sort of yeah. fifth wave feminist statement oh, on, yeah. on the part of Miami seven? Maybe it was a big deal at the time that she said <laughs> yeah. she, she would choose the movie. I wonder what it would have been in 90... I should have looked this up, what sort of movies were out in 1999. God, and I bet she'll wear trousers to the date. Yeah. Oh, the scandal. <laughs> Paul comes up with some sort of strategy to win, which I don't understand. I watched it a few times, but I don't know what he's on about. Um, and then we get this sort of slow-mo section with music that sounds like Chariots of Fire, but isn't. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's the, got all the right sort of noise. It's the sort of keyboard on. demo mode, non-royalty mm-hmm. version. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And Rachel ultimately wins the game for them. Howard sort of falls to the floor and is like, no, but Marvin is pleased for the team. So he goes over to celebrate with them, which is quite a little sweet moment. I think they all sort of fall over, you know, hugging and that. <laughs> and, we get, as they, and as they win, we get, you're my number one again. <laughs> for the third time. Yeah. And then the ending is that we sort of flash forward. John is still hobbling along and he's telling Joe about how well his date went. I'm pretty sure we don't see her again, <laughs> as far as I recall. No, she so. doesn't appear. And his, uh, yeah, his his uh, version. I mean, hopping is a generous term for what he's doing <laughs> in that little walk. Dragging, I think, is more um, appropriate. He's he's uh, he's really gone all in um, 
on like the commitment to his his minor injury there it's it's he's sort of acting as though he's lost feeling all the way up to his hip it's incredible maybe he was faking it all along because he just wanted to sit next <gasps> to that girl mm, clever well they did plant the seed that they thought the girl uh might be so intelligent as to have pretended to read in order to attract a mate so maybe he's taken that on board and that was actually his learning for this episode ah that would be a twist if he sort of was walking normally at the end like um kaiser soze like he was just um just walking normally no limp at all i would have enjoyed that more <laughs> yeah. twist ending um and also at the end howard is sort of having to eat his own trousers because that's something he said he would do earlier if they won and so he's just got his trousers just on a plate with some cutlery and ketchup. And over the credits, we get You're My Number One for a fourth time because that's the usual <laughs> credit song. Oh, wow. Great. I'm telling you that this force feeding Howard the trousers, this is a classic dom sub relationship, but with seven <laughs> doms up to one sub. That That's what their real job is. They only go around pretend. They're like those, um, they're like the sort of naked maids that, uh, you know, rich people will hire to come and, like, pretend to dust around a hotel room, um, you know, sort of high-class high escorts who, who yeah, provide that sort of um, aesthetic service, actually. They, I think they're probably – I hope they're being well um, – is it uh, remunerated? Is that the word? Um, yeah. But I, I think they're on to a winner. They just have to pretend to do some cleaning and then tell this poor guy who clearly gets off – on it they just have to say like <laughs> they give him horrific death threats and then force him to eat his own clothes <laughs> oh yeah that would be good I, I like that version more i'm gonna imagine that from <laughs> now on that that's what's going on every time they have an argument i'm gonna imagine this going on yeah this is in the contract so any other kind of last thoughts on the, sh the show or the, this episode in particular um that basically yeah, I, I admire Rachel's uh, energy. I truly think she spawned the uh, self-care movement uh, in <laughs> that she prioritizes number one. Um, but that's not to say that she's completely detached from others around her. She will chip in to help so long as uh, she gets to directly benefit from it. <laughs> um, and I just feel like that is what you know, Instagram culture is now. We're constantly being told to just, just look after you. Just look after you and no one else. Just, just you be you. Live your best life. I wouldn't be surprised if Rachel actually coins that phrase some point later on in the series. Yeah. And also don't eat any breakfast if you want to be Rachel. Oh that yeah, that's true. true. Moral. <laughs> <laughs> and sorry, it's still the nineties. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, before we finish, uh, where can people find you on Twitter? And is there anything that you want to plug in particular? Oh, gosh. Um, at Joe Sutherland underscore, uh, I think is my Twitter handle. I also have an Instagram account where I document my own self-care, um, which is <laughs> at Jomodity. Or, you know, you can just search names on Instagram. Uh, but I mean, no, you know what? Not a whole lot to plug in these times, which I believe have been termed 
unprecedented um because mm-hmm. uh, we're all you know just sitting around in lockdown oh do you know what i'm currently painting a dining table so i'll probably put that on my instagram stories that's what i'm gonna plug <laughs> if everyone could just go and share that when uh, the top coat is finished mm, it'd be lovely thanks <laughs> yeah for you to sort of make content out mm-hmm. of whatever you can at the moment yeah. <laughs> exactly that Thank you for listening to this episode of It's an S-Pod Thing. It was edited by Alex Blondek with music by William Kitchener. If you enjoyed the podcast and want to let us know that we're your number one, please subscribe and leave us a good review. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.